0: This week's show is jam-packed full of Jeep goodies, and we'll share the latest news in the Jeep world and open a discussion about sway bar disconnects. And we ask you, our listeners, for ideas.
1: We have a bunch of voicemails this week, so we'll answer our listener calls, and we kind of hear from Nikki G. Yeah, we sure did. There's a lot of tech covered
2: in this week's show. We go in-depth over sway bar disconnects and how they affect your articulation. We have another axle installment from Extreme Nate. There's all that and a lot more coming up on episode 265 of the Jeep Talk Show.
3: You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready?
1: It's the G Talk Show. With Tammy on Wrangler, Tony and Josh on Cherokee. So sit back, strap in,
4: and brace yourself. First
5: week
2: in well, it's all in the details. An altered product strategy giving Jeep new truck-based luxury SUVs and an Alfa Romeo-based Grand Cherokee in 2019 could make it easier for Fiat Chrysler dealers to win business from rival General Motors. And here's how. Fiat Chrysler CEO Sergio Marcione last week confirmed the new strategy for the Jeep Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer, which calls for those vehicles to be built, check this out, Body on frame using what is to believed to be the current RAM 1500 DS platform. As our new president would put it, this is huge. I, I can't do it. <laughs> huge. Do it huge. Part. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> CEO Sergio Marcion put more confirmation on this than what's coming out of the Senate currently and said that the Detroit Auto Show last week, now the cards are all laid out on the table and you now know. We've now confirmed the Jeep pickup trucks manufacturing home will be in Toledo, Ohio. We've confirmed the Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer as being body-on-frame vehicles. All those decisions that we've been working on are now out. We're just in execution mode, he said with a grin. For Jeep fans, this is some long-awaited news that's been popping up as not much more than rumors or unsubstantiated claims. Now we hear it straight from the horse's mouth. For dealers, the altered Jeep strategy is expected to mean less expensive Wagoneers and Grand Wagoneers, potentially giving them a more attractive MSRP than the competitors'. Last September, Jeep head Mike Manley floated a prospective top-end sticker price of around $140,000 for his new luxury SUV family. Definitely a high sticker price, but look at the competition. But that was back when those vehicles were expected to be unibody rather than body-on-frame. If they are priced lower, they will put the new big Jeeps in competition with GM's popular truck-based SUVs, such as the Chevy Tahoe, instead of trying trying to battle against the likes of Range Rover. That should definitely introduce some interesting competition into the marketplace well tread lightly even in death valley that is <laughs> rangers are talking or taking stronger measures to try and prevent visitors from driving on dry lake beds and other fragile areas at death valley national park the national park services said tuesday there have been additional incidents since last summer when someone drove on famed racetrack playa racing leaving uh, tire tracks that may remain visible for years damage has also occurred at Badwater combat these trespassers. Large new regulatory signs will be installed, more posts will be placed along the racetrack shoreline, and volunteers are being recruited to spend more time there to not only raise awareness and teach people about responsible land use, but probably do some tattletailing as well. Racetrack Playa is the site of tracks left by the famous and mysterious Moving Rocks, which researchers believe are activated by rare interactions of rain, ice, wind, and slick mud. This month, volunteers from Longwood University in Farmville, Virginia, raked out some of those vehicle tracks left at Badwater Playa, we thank the volunteers for their help, and we encourage all of you to become more responsible off-roaders by visiting TreadLightly.org to learn how you can adopt better public land use habits. I want to thank all of you who help us out each and every week by submitting stories for this week in Jeep. If you've got something you, th- you think we should be reporting on or you have a response to any one of our stories, by all means, please send us an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com.
0: I've never heard of this place before. Oh, you've never back seen
1: back the there. thing with the rocks where they, no. the, these rocks mysteriously move over this very flat surface? It's really cool. Nope.
2: Yeah, I'm It's uh, a long since been, uh, you know, uh, sources of, of a lot of paranormal explanations yes, and yes, stuff like that. Really? Like, people think, oh, these are ghost rocks or you know, UFOs are coming down. <laughs> yeah. <You> know, <laughs> UFOs it's, it's are it's traveling been from been, across uh, the universe
1: <laughs> <laughs> to come here and move rocks, slide oh, them know, across the desert they and get nothing else better to do. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's
2: this it is one of these places that there's nothing else like it on the planet. There's no other places that are exactly like this. And they try and maintain its pristine environment as close as and as, as best as possible. Now, obviously something as large and as as open as someplace like this. It's hard to, you know, put a, right. a fence around the whole entire thing. So eventually people are gonna find their way out there. Now they don't they, they don't want people, you know, driving out there, obviously, and doing donuts and stuff out in these dry lake beds because these are You know, there's nothing that's going to be able to recreate these things for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So let's try and protect them and keep them as pristine as we can.
1: You know, I I know I'm not being a a good uh, tread lightly person when I say this, but how cool would it be to get somebody to go out there and uh, uh, draw out with the tires, Jeep talk show.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) no, don't encourage anyone. That we would have absolutely nothing
1: to do with and and you shouldn't (laughs) wink, wink, do it. No, I'm just I'm just messing with you. Just another attempt at being funny. Well, yeah, that's very interesting, Josh, and uh, when you mentioned the rocks, I mean, I thought about that, oh, looking at the picture that you had uh, for us, I, uh, I thought about those rocks, and sure enough, it was that same place. It's a very mm-hmm. interesting place, and uh, yeah, I think they found out it was hydraulic action in the uh, in the wind that was actually blowing those rocks.
2: Yeah, each of those rocks, they got some switches to hit those hydraulics. Uh-huh. I'm kidding,
1: I'm kidding. <laughs> well, the water, uh, as it was compressing the water, that would get up <laughs> underneath it, and they would just travel along, making these little oh, trails. Bastard have something, rocks.
0: something to add to my bucket list now.
1: Yeah. There
2: you go. Uh, Just keep in mind that, you know, I think the mean temperature of Death Valley is somewhere around 118
1: degrees. Holy crap. All the boys and women that went out to Afghanistan go, that's nothing. Uh, (laughs) That's a spring day. What are you talking about? (laughs) Two minutes in the shower and I'm fresh as a daisy. The Jeep Talk Show. It's not about us. It's about you, the listeners.
5: It's Tim from Torrance. Hey Jeepers, this is uh Rob
1: Fun and Sarnath
4: Hey guys, it's Cody with Trailchasers.net with another grand adventure.
5: Hey guys, this is Cody from Indiana. Yoo-hoo.
4: Hello, Jeep Talk Show crew. This is FJ
5: Rick. Hi guys, this is Joe. If a turtle doesn't have a shell, is he naked or homeless? Hey guys, this is Ron out in Arizona. Hey, what's up, Jeep Talk Show, this is Jake Oregon Trail Offroad Hi, this is Jake from California, and I'm sitting here eating pork rinds for breakfast mm-hmm. Hey, this is uh, PAG Free Hey, Tony, Josh, and Tammy, it's
1: next Jake calling This is John, pre-runner in 1982, 2 and on today's radio contact segment, I'm going to talk about APRS, anal cord restraint system No, 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 that's not right We love our listeners.
3: (laughs) You're listening
2: to a 4x4 4x4 Radio
3: Network podcast.
2: Hey, if you don't already know about the 4x4 Radio Network, then there's a real good chance that those in your life who also love off-roading or the outdoors don't know about it either. What kind of friend would you be by withholding such valuable information? Well, cast those self-doubts and all that shame aside. All you have to do is share a link. And all those woes will simply fade away. <laughs> Log into your social media account right now. Start an email or send everyone you know a text with a message. Go to 4x4radionetwork.com right now. Trust me, if you're not immediately blocked and reported, they'll thank you for it. <laughs> Probably.
1: You know, nothing leaves an impression like a text at 3 a.m. saying, no. "Hey, have you have you gone over to the 4 by 4 radio about network this yet?" <laughs> <laughs> that that that'll stick in their head for a long time, and uh, they'll probably get back to you around Christmas time, you know, talking to you again. <laughs> All right, well, uh we're having a series of uh, uh discussions about a- uh Axel, well, I guess it's not really a discussion. Uh Uh, Nate from Wrangler Extreme, YJ Nate, Extreme Nate, is uh, going through our axle series. In the last two episodes, we've gone through uh, the glossary, kind of the definitions of what uh, the terms that he's going to be using about axles. So this is going to be our first uh, actual discussion about an axle. And, uh, well, well, let's see which axle that it is he's going to talk about.
3: Hey, Jeep enthusiasts. This is Nate with another edition of Wrangler Extreme. I'm hoping to cover a number of axles in the next coming months, weeks, whatever it takes. Uh, so tonight, I'm going to talk about everybody's favorite axle, the <laughs> Dana 30. So the strengths of this axle is that it comes in a high pinion model. Uh, it's pretty common. It comes in the XJ, the YJ, the TJ, even the JK. I believe the CJ even had these things. And there's probably a ton of models that I'm not even thinking of. Maybe even... Some of the Grand Cherokees came with a Dana 30. Uh, as to which ones are high pinion and which ones aren't, uh, the YJ had a high pinion Dana 30, and a number of XJs also had a high pinion Dana 30. Uh, Tony and Josh can probably elaborate as to which XJs came with the high pinion model. The problem with the YJ high pinion model is that it had this weird vacuum disconnect on the passenger side, which a lot of YJ owners decided to eliminate by either replacing it with a TJ or an XJ shaft on that side, or by simply uh, Uh, putting in a cable-actuated disconnect, or even just moving the the shift fork in the disconnect to one side and just jamming it there with a nut. Uh, All of these solutions, minus the one where you've replaced the shaft with a solid shaft, are weaker than a solid shaft. Uh, The axle weighs, from what I'm reading, about 200 pounds, though I've never weighed one. Um, Support, it's a pretty common axle. You can find these in a junkyard just about anywhere in the country, and they're just about a dime a dozen, depending on what... uh, what configuration you find it in, and how old it is. Uh, From what I'm reading, it comes in spline counts of either 27 or 29, depending on how old the axle is and what it was originally put in. Um, As I mentioned, it came in the CJ, the YJ, the TJ, the XJ, the JK, and who knows what else. Um, Is it worth upgrading this axle? Some will say absolutely, and some will tell you that it's just... Shirt polishing. (laughs) Uh, What it comes down to is the housing is not essentially uh, a very strong housing. If you're going to upgrade this axle, you're going to have to invest some money into strengthening the housing. And by the time you're done, you're going to dump several hundred up to maybe a grand or more into making this axle really off-road capable. Uh, You can run about a 35-inch tire on this thing, depending on your driving style and the weight of your tires and and whatnot. Um, Also, you can replace the shafts with some chromolys. That would probably make it a little little better. But again, that housing just isn't a very strong housing. There's reports of people bending housings, cracking housings. Uh, It just seems like at its core, this axle just isn't really all that strong. Alright, so there you have it. There's the, the Dana 30 in a nutshell, so give me some feedback, let me know what you think, let me know what I got wrong. I'll see you guys on the Jeep Talk Show forums.
2: Excellent. That is a lot of good information right there, and uh, of course we thank Nate for taking all the time to put these together, and we've got a continuing series from Nate on Wrangler Extreme segment here. Uh, we're going to be going over axles and other things as well, so we can look forward to more, more uh, media coming from, from Nate and Wrangler Extreme.
0: Now, Josh, well, when he said upgrade the, I'm thinking, get a Dana 33 or get a Dana, you know, 60 or whatever. But that doesn't sound like what he was talking about when he was talking about upgrading.
1: You can upgrade the internal parts uh, yep. of the Dana 30. That would be what he was talking about when he says polishing the turd. <laughs> right. It's still a turd. Is this now? Now it's as shiny. And uh, the other thing, the other upgrade is like what you're talking about, putting in a, a Dana a 44 or a Dana 60, uh, which would, that would be kind of cool. Do they, right. do they, is the Dana 60 steerable, Josh, or is it a Dana yeah, there 70? Is, there is both a Dana
2: 60 rear and a Dana 60 front. The Dana okay. 60 front is a kingpin style axle uh, and has can actually uh, have the same kind of high steer options that you can do. With, uh, with like a Dana 44 style knuckle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of machining and a lot of custom <laughs> yes. work that goes in, involved into getting a 60 into a Jeep.
1: <laughs> yes. It, it, but it's cool. Uh, it have, definitely has a good cool factor. So, anyway, to answer your question, Tammy, yeah, both things. Uh, and now I personally, um, oh, that's, that's the other thing. Uh, uh, Nate mentioned 27 and 29 spline. I only thought they were 27.
2: I'm pretty sure they only came in 27 spline. Um, now, I mean, prior to 1984, I mean, I'm not sure. Right. If maybe some of the old, old versions were, were more than that. But, I mean, you're, it's going to be rare that you're going to even be able to find some of those. The more common 80s, 90s, and early 2000 versions of the Dana 30 that are going to be oh so popular and that you're going to see on the road and on the trails more often than not um, are the 27 spline. Now, the Chrysler eight and a quarter that is more common in Jeep uh, Cherokees, came in a 27 and 29 right. spline uh, version. but uh, So, I mean, that might have been just some cross-information there.
1: Yeah, or it could be correct, and we're learning something new. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Now,
2: yeah, he, there are some a lot of things that, that he could have touched on as far as how to upgrade a Dana 30, and we could probably spend an entire show on that alone. But uh, to say that it's the weakest axle, a- axle out there, well, it is definitely a weak front axle, and mm-hmm. there are some that are stronger. Uh, but that's not to say that the Dana 30 can't be built to be a very strong axle.
1: Right. Like he was saying with the chrome molly axles. And uh Tammy, what basically that just means that it's a uh, made of the the axles themselves that slide into the axle housing. The axle shafts. Yeah. yeah. Axle shafts. They're just a lot stronger. Uh I think that if you uh if you've never looked at it like on YouTube, you can uh watch them do some uh testing of where the they twist the axle shafts in a in a device, a hydraulic mm-hmm. device. And the chrome molly axles, and correct me if I'm wrong on this Josh, can go almost like 360 degrees before they snap. So the axle itself is twisting completely around. And yeah. And if you ever look
2: at, at, a broken axle shaft and you take a look at those splines, I, I guarantee almost any axle shaft that you find that's broken, will you'll find some, some twisted mm-hmm. splines on, on the end of that thing. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly how they break and that's how they
1: test them. Yeah. A lot of torque there. And, uh, uh, always a lot of fun when you break one too. It's like a a, a shot going off, <laughs> and that that's where he was going with
2: the with the tire size when he was talking about you know running yeah. a thirty three or thirty five max. That's where that that rotational torsional force comes in. Uh, you know, putting all that all that torque on onto that axle shaft radially, and when something binds up, and you've got a very big thing on one end and a very small thing on the other. You're creating a lot of torque on the one end, and all that's holding between you and a broken axle is the spline count and the quality of the metal that's it's that, being made out of.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of people out there uh, with uh, 35s on a Dana 30, and they wheel the hell out of it. Indeed. Uh, so it, it's, just, it's really all about luck and, and uh, what you do with the skinny pedal. All right, well, uh, that's, that's a great uh, intro into the Axle Series. We're going to be looking forward to uh, a new Axle Series each week. I think we've got seven or eight of them. I'll have to go back and look. So uh, you nice. guys you guys, buckle up and uh, get your, your pencil and your notepad out so you can uh, take some notes from uh, YJ Nate or Extreme Nate. Uh, that's a little time to do something that uh, we all enjoy every week, and uh, let's get over to Tammy.
4: Shut up and listen. <laughs> Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut up. Shut up, Shane. Hey. (laughs) Shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler Talk. It's time for G Mama.
0: So, last week on the show, I shared some new upcoming topics for Wrangler Talk. And I'm looking for some listener participation on these topics. And I ask y'all to call in to our message line to share your thoughts and suggestions. That's what makes this Jeep community so awesome. There's just no one right way to do things. So fellow Wrangler owner and Jeep talk show listener Rick had several suggestions for me of the topics he thought would make for great discussion. Tonight, I picked life after your lift. He asked what needs to be changed on the front end to make it more robust for off-roading and in what order. Well, Rick, one of the first things I noticed as a first time ever off-roader during my first time ever off-roading instructional class at Roche Creek about two years ago in my then-2013 Sahara with no aftermarket modifications. My articulation, or should I say lack of articulation. At one point on the trail, I swear I was going to tip right over. There's even video on my YouTube channel where you can see my passenger side tire rise to what looks like about four to six feet in the air. And watching that video and that scary feeling I had, that was the moment in time where I knew I wanted sway bar disconnects. Now, I did it the expensive way, and some call it cheating. I traded my Sahara for the Rubicon so I could have that little button to push. And at the time, it would have been pretty simple and inexpensive to install sway bar disconnects. The brand at the time I was looking at was Rough Country for about 60 bucks. Now, sway bar disconnects are vital in reaching the type of articulation you want on the trails. I feel this is a must for off-roading. You don't even need to wait for a lift to make this change. Definitely one of the first changes you should make after your lift if you don't have them. And Tony and Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Wranglers have only the front disconnects, but the Cherokees, if I remember correctly from past shows, have front and rear, correct?
1: No, the uh, the, the Cherokees have leaf springs in the back, so oh. there's no... But what
0: were we... We were talking about something.
1: Uh, I'd, I think I had posed the question about uh, the rear disconnects on the, the Wranglers, because there's a... Uh, I know that they have... Um, um, gosh, I'm I'm pulling a blank. Well,
2: they they make, I mean, uh, JCR makes sway bar disconnects front and rear for yeah, yeah. for just about every Jeep out there. So I mean, and the and the Cherokee did come with um, with sway bar with a sway bar in the rear, even though it is a leaf sprung vehicle. Um, and a lot of people say that you know if you're ever going to tow anything with a Jeep Cherokee, to leave that on. But you know, yada yada, it's a whole other t- conversation right there. Okay. Um, but uh, as far as you know, automatic disconnects, you know, that's something that's uh, JK only. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, anyway, during my research, I came across this on a Jeep forum from a fellow Jeeper about the rear anti-sway bar. And he said, leave the rear anti-sway bar connected whether you're on or off-road. If you haven't noticed, front anti-sway bar quick disconnects are common as fleas (laughs) on an old dog. But that's not the case for the rear anti-sway bar. TKS used to make rear sway bar disconnects, but they were a product without need, so not many were sold. I don't even think they are sold any longer, but that's because the TJ's coil spring suspension. There's no benefit to disconnecting the rear anti-sway bar. As a matter of fact, there are drawbacks to disconnecting the rear anti-sway bar. The rear anti-sway bar can actually help prevent a flop or rollover on extremely off-camber or steep terrain. Plus, it can actually help balance the front and rear suspension so they work together instead of sometimes fighting each other. Also, disconnecting the rear anti-sway bar doesn't increase its usable articulation. That is because you lose much of the downforce on the tire on the ground when the anti-sway bar is not there to help push the tire down onto the ground to help maintain contact with the ground for better traction. So definitely, if you are modding your Jeep by lifting it for off-roading, and are looking for articulation, sway bar disconnects should be one of the first mods before or after your lift. Now, the second one for the front end, in my experience, should be the steering stabilizer relocation bracket. That is actually next on my list to change. I hope to do sometime within the next month. Last October, while I was at the women's wheeling event, I came down pretty hard on a rock and slammed my steering stabilizer bracket. It rotated into a position that prevented me from being able to turn my Jeep. I had to do a lot of reversing to get off that trail. One thing I learned that day was you don't really need that part to drive. So once we got off that particular obstacle, we took off my steering stabilizer until we got to a spot on the trail where we could put it back on and move it to the proper position. And actually, I think I still need to adjust it ever so slightly because I've noticed lately when I turn to the right, it's still not in that full range. Now, these relocation brackets can run between $20 and $60, depending on if you get just the bracket or a new stabilizer and the bracket. So next week, I plan on continuing this topic, Life After Your Lift, and I'll talk more about steering with the Griffin, which I have on my Jeep and the Yeti, which is on my wish list. Plus, I would like to hear your thoughts on heavy-duty ball joints, new sway bar, tie rods, and drag drag links. These are parts all new to me, and I'm beginning to look into them. So for me, it's really exciting to learn new things about my Jeep and how it all comes together and works. And anything you would like to add, I'd love to hear from you. There are tons of ways you can do that. You can email me at info at jeeptalkshow.com and use the subject line Wrangler Talk. You can leave a voicemail on our Jeep Talk Show website, or you can go over to our mobile friendly site jeeptalkform.com. That's our new mobile friendly form that we created just for you. It's not your typical form. There's no flaming or telling you to go to Google to do your search, and there are no dumb questions. Plus, you can find out more about the stories and information we share with you here on the Jeep Talk Show as well. That's JeepTalkShow.com, and we hope to see you there. You know,
1: it's interesting about the uh, the TJ uh, rear sway bar disconnect not helping articulation. I would think that it would, and and that's one of the reasons why I'd asked about it a while back because it just didn't seem, it just didn't make sense to me that you would disconnect the front but not disconnect the back, that you would get more articulation both front and rear. I mean the rear does have to go where the front went. So, uh, but now I
0: read, and that was just from one person on one form, but I read a couple people on uh, many different places about the whole flipping and flopping rollover mm-hmm. thing.
1: Well, it certainly seems to be true because you don't see a lot of, at least I haven't seen a lot of rear uh, sway bar disconnects for uh, TJs or JKs. Uh, Honestly, I haven't done a lot of research since the wife's not going (laughs) off-road in the TJ, but still. Well, you know what I've seen more than anything else on the trail on the back of the
2: TJs other than stock uh, sway bar links is the uh, the Curie Anti-Rock. Uh, right. They make one for the rear sway, which is. I mean, I've seen these things in action on the front, and they're amazing. I've only wheeled with a couple of guys personally that have that are running these both front and rear, but they do offer them for the rear for for the TJs and for uh, for the JKs, I believe as well. Interesting. Um, but uh, but yeah, this is if you guys don't know what the what the Curie and this is C U R R I E Curie uh, they're the the famous um, uh, the uh, God, what is it Correct Link steering systems and. Um, of course, they make uh, you know a bunch of uh, suspension stuff as well, but um, but a lot of the string stuff is is also pretty beefy, and uh, and this is one of those things to where you don't want to ignore it. Um, this is definitely something that can can really step up your game on the trail.
1: Yeah, yeah, Well, those things are expensive. I checked into it. Somebody here yeah, on the show mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, somebody here on the show mentioned it, and I went and had a look, and it's kind of a cool idea. It's um, one of those
2: things to where once you get it dialed into your vehicle, there's no more getting out, mm-hmm. undoing your sway bar links, getting them to go up into their keepers. You know, where'd the pins go? God, now can you go come sit on my hood? I can't get this one yes, to line up right. Exactly. You know, all that stuff. Where all of that? that goes away with these. So, you know, check them out. Where's that rubber mallet? I need the rubber yeah. mallet here. Stat. <laughs> I've got one in my bag. Oh, no, straight up. That's, that's, you don't uh, know what you're missing, Tammy.
1: Just getting those damn sway bars reconnected so you can drive home.
0: <laughs> well, it's funny, there's, when I go to Rush Creek, there's very few people I see getting out, you know, they um, air down their tires, mm-hmm. and there's a few that I see getting underneath, you know, the front to, um, you know, disconnect their sway bars, but there's very few of them. A lot of people out there are wheeling just like their Jeep.
1: Did you notice if they're if they're in Rubicons, maybe they have the uh, the automatic disconnect like you have,
2: or they could be like me and they're just running without sway bar. That's, that's true. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, that's very true.
1: Yeah, I mean, mine I guess,
2: mine you know. used to be a daily driver, but you know, chances are there's a lot of guys that are com- going out to Roush Creek um, with a trailered vehicle, right? And, right. and of course, you know that you're not going to see there, a, a sway bar so. anywhere on a trailered rig. So
1: that's yeah. what you need, Tammy. You need to get a, a, a nice F three fifty and a trailer. Oh, yeah.
0: Somebody was selling their trailer on um, Facebook, and I'm like, oh! But then I got to find a daily driver. And then you have to get
1: a tow rig, and then,
0: you're- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> honey, I but need hundred thousand able- dollars, please. Oh no!
1: I just and I don't know where people put these damn trailers. It just you know they have to have right. a lot of a lot of space to be able to put. Oh, those. our
0: neighborhood would like freak.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just not. I had the, one of those
0: sitting out in front of the house.
1: The way suburbia is laid out is just not conducive to you know uh, people doing anything other than you know living their, in their little pseudo apartment. Um, right. Yeah, I just, I just hate it. But anyway, uh, you, you know, make enough money, you can do anything, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? What are you
5: talking about, man?
1: Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? I got no idea what the heck.
2: Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at?
0: Get out there thank yo.
2: Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Underwater. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? In the bubble bath. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? No clue. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? While flexing on stumps. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Yeah, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Yeah, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? I would assume on the radio. The Jeep Talk Show, available on iTunes and at jeeptalkshow.com.
1: Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? We'd like to know. Give us a call at 530-675-4102 and let us know if you're underwater. Uh, we'd love to hear about that, more about that. So <laughs> Good stories there. Yeah. <laughs> And hey, if you're
2: not getting enough Jeep Talk, well, there's another place that you can go to get even more. JeepTalkForum.com is our new mobile-friendly forum that we created just for you guys. It isn't your typical forum. There's no flaming. There's no telling you to go to Google. Let me Google that for you. Uh, (laughs) Nothing here. Let me search that for you. None of that. There's no dumb questions. No such thing as dumb questions. You can find out more about the stories and information we share here on the Jeep Talk Show as well. So a lot of tech and a lot of good people and all that sort of stuff. It's the JeepTalkForum.com. We hope to see you there.
1: All right, now it's time for some reviews. I love hearing about this because uh, we're interacting with you guys and you're also letting us know uh, what uh, the show's doing for you or isn't doing for you. And Josh, I'm going to make you take the, the bad one.
2: Yeah, that's fine. Now, we, I, we guys, we <laughs> have always said that uh, our constructive criticism, whatever we get, we always read on the show. And yes. we guys, we read this verbatim. Now, we might have to add a comma here or a period there or something like that just for the sake of being able to read it. But, you know, all this stuff comes to us and we put it right on the air same way that it comes to us now all these reviews guys we we have a really good long-standing uh solid review history and and well we get a couple of ones that aren't so awesome every now and again we got one this week he gave us a three-star review his name is steve charles and uh, he reviewed us on facebook he says i feel this show is a little too scripted and the guy who was the last caller of the call-in show talking about racing oil seemed
0: more in, more <laughs> informed than both the hosts but other than that it's okay <laughs> you know, he that caller is probably more informed than all three of us put together. He's <laughs> so <you're> talking about <laughs>
1: Steve,
2: uh, Josh. Steve oh, called us. Yeah, Steve 4.3 LXJ. That guy is a walking, talking encyclopedia of automotive knowledge. That that he is definitely is one who's got a lot of stuff up in that noodle.
1: Yeah, uh, and and when I responded to this on uh, the Facebook reviews, which you can uh, uh, go and do is uh, give us a uh, a review on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash jeeptalkshow slash reviews. But anyway, when I responded to it, I was more than happy to say that uh, Steve is a wonderful resource uh, for us, and uh, we learn a lot from him. And uh, I have no problem uh, not being the, the right answer all the time.
2: Uh, oh, it, trying to find somebody that's going to be able to parallel his knowledge base—that's going to be a tough, uh, a tough shoe to fill.
1: Yeah, it really is. Well, this next one is uh, also uh, a Facebook review from uh, Bartholomew Stevens. Uh, he reviewed the Jeep Talk Show and gave us five stars, as well. He should. Uh, going on two months of listening to these guys, and I'm wondering why it took me so long to discover this awesome show. Well, we <laughs> agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> they have a great call-in show as well. Uh, that is a must. Only two things I would say that uh, they are too short. Uh, I'm six foot. I don't know. Tammy's kind of short. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, I am not. <laughs> uh, uh, they have a great show, a call-in show. But two things I would say that are uh, they're too short, and there would uh, uh, be way more shows. Uh, oh, let's see, there uh-huh. should be, and there should be way more shows Look, a week. Right
2: after I said we read these things verbatim. Come on. Tammy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pretty much like the news with AM FM. Uh, what does he say? AM and PM. Okay, uh, I like the FM thing, but uh, uh, I get these guys need a life. Great show. Keep up the the good work. So he thinks we should have a weekly show, guys. What do you think? A daily show. This guy. Yeah. We, need, we need two. We need a, a an AM good show morning, and a PM G-talk show, so let's show. Show. Oh, I'm sorry.
2: Two. Yeah, he's talking about two yeah. shows 30, every 14 day. Fourteen shows a week. I think we can do it.
0: Uh. <laughs> Um, Oh, it's it's
2: nice that you guys uh, love us that much and that you you can actually take that much of us. I can't take that much of me even,
0: so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got Um, one from email. We got an email from Mark Peterson. He wrote, long time podcast junkie of yours and dance from the 4x4. In the show, you mentioned doing a show on overlanding. I recently joined a group and I'm really impressed with the quality of the form, people and principles. It's called Overland Bound. Well, Thanks, Mark. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Yeah, well,
1: thanks, Mark. We appreciate that.
0: We're on the hunt for great companies and websites to direct our off-road brethren, so we appreciate the heads up. Mark is also going to try to get us in touch with the founder of that site, and we'll see if we can't get them to sit down with a Jeep Talk show and give us some valuable information about this family-friendly and very rewarding form of off-roading for those of you who would like to learn more. In the meantime, let's go check out OverlandBound.com and say hi to some fellow Jeepers.
1: Yeah, it's great. We appreciate you uh, writing in. We've had a couple of people interested in some overlanding stuff. Uh, I don't do it. I know that there's always uh, some question about what is overlanding. Uh, is it just a, a, day trip, a weekend trip, or is it, uh, you know, traveling through Africa for months at a time, uh, or going all over the, the world? Even. Yes. Yeah. That's kind of what I've found yeah. listening to the Dan over at the four by four, uh, uh, podcast is that it's, uh, it's kind of like, uh, whatever, whatever you like, although the Jeep, uh, doesn't seem to be a popular platform, uh, for overlanding, I think due to its space limitations.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely, definitely one the of the one.
2: limitations for some of the more extreme expedition mm-hmm. uh, wheelers, if you will, or or overlanding guys, um, where it just yeah, you, know, you don't quite have the storage space that you do as you would in an XJ
1: or a Land Cruiser. Right. I, I think even the XJ is a little small for uh, for a lot of How things. How dare want to do. you?
2: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, we really appreciate guys' review.
2: Yep. Hey Jeepers! Before we get going on our next segment, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of you who have made this show what it is today. Lena simply couldn't do the show without you. Okay, I mean, we, we probably could, but who wants to hear an hour or more of Tony and I sharing fart jokes? Look, the, <laughs> the Jeep Talk Show has been podcasting since 2010. And over the last seven years, the show has gone through several changes. We're on constantly doing things to improve and expand the show. We have a ton of stuff planned for this year. So, to help keep making the show the number one most Jeep-related podcast on the web and consistently in the top 20% of all podcasts on the planet. So, a big thanks and an extra special Jeep wave goes out to each and every one of our subscribers. Thanks, guys.
1: Yeah, thank you. Are you tired of all that noise from those other shows? I think you ought to keep that rig yeah. at the mall. Now you can relax to the pleasing tones of the Jeep Talk Show every week. Unless you've got Dana 60s and 40s. Get the highest audio quality possible with each download. Now, you
4: know, you can them with them super
1: And if you're tired of all that other stuff.
4: Uh, and a thing with
2: the big old tires a the of. Then subscribe to the highest quality podcast on the web. The Jeep Talk Show, available on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher Radio, and more. You guys give me a beer. Yeah, I could use a beer right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, this is normally where we'd kind of cruise into tech talk uh, with Jeep talk. But this week, we're going to go ahead and skip that. I want to go ahead and just make a call to action here for you guys. If you have a tech question that you would like answered here on the show, it doesn't matter. We always kind of have that mantra. There's no such thing as a stupid question. So if you want to know how to do an oil change, well, by all means, ask us that question. And if I get that question, I will answer it on the air. So if you have a tech question that's Jeep related or And any question that's off-road related for that matter, by all means, drop us a line to info at jeeptalkshow.com. Just put in the subject line, Tech Talk, and uh, it'll get to the right place. Yeah, we love hearing from you guys.
0: And be sure to call our voicemail at 530-675-4102 because we love hearing from all of you. What you do is you jump over to our website at JeepTalkShow.com and leave us a message. You click on the little leave voicemail button on the right-hand side of the screen. I like it. I like
1: clicking buttons on screens.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hey, this is Tony. And I'm Tammy. And this is Josh. And you've reached our 24-7 voicemail line. You guys know what to do, so at the beep, leave your message.
4: Hey, guys, it's Goose. I just got finished listening to Tuesday's show. I heard Tammy say that this week, on Thursday's show, y'all are going to be talking about what to do after you put on your lift. And I'm not trying to be a smart hug, I'm just saying this because I've messed up and I've done this. Um, after you saw your lift, drive it a little ways and go back and check everything and make sure everything's tight. Because I've messed up and had things come apart because they vibrated apart and I didn't recheck tightness or short-taste the spec. All right, well, I'm being safe out there, and um, I guess the fun stop after you lift. I say go flex it out and see how big your tires you can squeeze underneath there. All right, guys, I'll let y'all later. Bye.
1: Can you tell uh, Goose is driving along with his... Uh uh, speaker, down. speaker phone yeah. or a Bluetooth <laughs> headset or something. <laughs> he's uh, he's trying to be safe. listening
0: to us in, on his commute to work, possibly. Well, I think no, he, he...
2: Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, Goose Race is a very good point. It's something that, that we haven't really touched on all that often. And, and it's one of those kind of safety aspects of, of doing vehicle modifications. It's extremely important because once you tighten that nut, that's not the end of the deal. And, you know, you, you still have a little bit of homework to do. What I mean, you're saying? I mean, you look in any lift kit installation instructions. I don't care who the manufacturer is; they're going to tell you after 500 yep. miles, go back through and retighten, retorque to spec every single last one of those bolts. Now, I, I kind of do this about every oil change now, on the Jeep. That you know, that's only a couple times a year because it's not a daily driver anymore. Mm-hmm. But anytime I go out for a full weekend worth of wheeling, I give the vehicle a good physical, visual, and visual once over. Get underneath it with a socket set. Get underneath it with a flashlight. You know, you got to clean some things up. You take a look around, but yeah, I mean, I've heard stories. I even work with a guy who took his vehicle in to have some steering work done at a very reputable chain store that is a nation national chain, and he got about a mile and a half from his house on the freeway when the steering came undone. Oh, and God. Let me just tell you that it's a, I swear, a, a, an absolute miracle act of God that he's with us here today because at freeway speeds and all of a sudden your steering linkage comes disconnected from the knuckles. Yeah, it is lucky that he didn't get speed wobbles and that thing ended up flipping on him or worse, taking out his vehicle himself or other people. And, and it's just one of those things to where if you're not paying attention, all it takes is one nut.
1: Mm-hmm. And it can ruin your day and possibly somebody else's. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, it's <clears throat> it's just amazing. I, I can imagine the the feeling of driving down the highway and, wow, it feels like I'm hydroplaning here. Wait a minute. I shouldn't be able to do this, <laughs> to turn the steering wheel for yep. infinity. <laughs> he he's, he had said that, that his initial reaction
2: was going to be to plant the brakes. But it, as soon as he lifted his foot off the floorboard and was moving it over towards the brake, he thought that if I do that, I'm going to go diving to one side or the other. And I'm not going to be able to correct it. So right. he just he just, basically just left, got his foot off the gas. He did drift into the median, got those the the concrete center divider things. He um, you know rubbed up on one of those a little bit, got some you know good uh, you know tire rash and stuff like that. But uh, uh, he was able to get a tow truck out there and and, and get himself uh, off the freeway and back into the shop where he had scary. ended up Yeah, he ended up getting taken care of. Let's just put it that. Way.
1: I was going to say I, I hope uh, there was people. Uh, had a well, stern had talking to or fired
2: he had threatened a lawsuit he has this is a kind of guy who you know does the prepaid legal stuff and and all yeah. that i mean he was not going to let this go no without, and, and uh, he shouldn't
1: because somebody's going to get killed if if you don't stand yeah, up very and likely say, so yeah i mean exactly I and mean, that's he,
2: that that was his that was his argument he's like look i could have killed somebody
1: yeah or, or uh the next person i mean if you just go ah, oh, well tighten it up and that'll be good right they, they need to learn their lesson. They need to know how serious that is uh, because well, just, a lot sh- I mean,
2: you know, ruining your vehicle is one thing. You can live with that, you know, mm-hmm. but if you flip your vehicle and you kill Mrs. Stewart next to you or something like that, that's not
1: something you're going to easily live with. No. Well, at least it wasn't him that, uh, that didn't tighten up that yeah, nut properly. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's get over to our next voicemail. Hey,
6: everybody. It's Joliet Johnny calling you from Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, uh, I've had a lot of time to think in this past month when I have been working 712. Oh my god. Ooh, Everything geez. has to go that's not Jeep. No more Civics, no more Mitsubishi. I'm getting a WJ, and uh, I'm trying to figure out what color to get. My XJ is red, <laughs> like all proper Jeeps. And uh, my Diesel geez. Liberty is black. <laughs> and I took black because, well, good luck finding a Diesel Liberty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what color should I get the. WJN, because you know, I don't really see many red ones, so eh, I'm I'm thinking I'm probably going to have to go green so I'm a walking contradiction or a driving
4: contradiction (laughs) I get all three groups fighting against each other in the
1: driveway. eh. Oh, boy. Somebody else wanted to jump in there with the the voicemail.
2: Rat dog at the end there. I uh, no, love it. Uh, that that's a that is the the uh, the age old question, uh, and and you know that you just tickle
1: Tony's fancy if you got a red one. So
0: yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> we don't need his. That's great. I usually have to
1: pay tickle. to have my fancy tickled. Um, so the the interesting thing I think is he should paint the black one blue, and then the oh, deb- there you go. then the WJ should be
2: white yeah
1: yeah red white and blue there you go and b- simple look at that we worked through the problem perhaps uh put trump uh, a a magnetic sign on each door <laughs> <laughs> what could possibly go wrong <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and do do full insurance on those by the yeah. way <laughs> probably should <laughs> sure. all right well uh, i think this is uh, our, our our yj nate we'll uh, find out here in a second
6: Hey guys, it's Nate.
5: Uh, Today I'm actually calling in with a question instead of a correction or comment or whatever. Um, (laughs) The one piece of the automotive puzzle that I don't have a lot of deep insight into is, uh, well, motors and engines. And I had something I've been meaning to look into and I thought getting commentary from you guys might be a great place to start. So this past summer, uh, we had a a friend of ours, out Wheeling, uh, at the same place we had Tammy up at AOAA. And, uh, he's in a Grand Cherokee, a, a newer one, a WK, I think, uh, with the five, seven liter V8. And he decided, he, he's new to the sport, he decided he wanted to try our water crossing. And we gave him all the advice we could, and he did the one thing we didn't expect him to do. He got in the middle of this large body of standing water and turned off the vehicle. He panicked. He basically saw some water coming up. Toward his hood, he was worried about water getting in the air intake, and he just shut off the motor. Oh, I, well. I mean, sure, maybe that was not a bad idea, but yeah. what it did do is water got into his exhaust system. It just
6: oh, leaked yeah. its way all the way up. Yeah. I don't know how
5: far up, but uh, we, we pulled him out with a winch because we were worried about trying to start the thing while he was in the water. And then when he got out, we were trying to basically dry things out and make sure he didn't get water in the intake because obviously that's a bad thing. The intake looked dry. It didn't look like there was any water standing in his airbox. It didn't look like um, there was water in the, you know, the various tubes and whatnot that go into the intake. Um, and there was a slight bit of dampness, and that's about it. Uh, but eventually, while he was trying to start it, water was coming out of the tailpipe because it was still in his muffler and whatnot, mm-hmm. and he, it appears that either he cracked a bearing or threw a rod or something in the, the rearmost cylinder of his motor which, you know, obviously unfortunate ending, ending to a day. Uh, my question was, would the back pressure of the of the water in his exhaust possibly have caused that? Or is it really that he probably did take water in through the air intake? I don't think he's pulled the motor apart yet to find out what happened. Uh, he's basically going to get a crate engine and replace it. I don't think he's gotten there yet. Wow. So anyway, that's, uh, that's my question. Just looking for commentary, see what you guys think. Thanks.
1: Well, I know what I think, Josh. What do you think?
2: Well, <laughs> so... I, I I don't know exactly where the water line was. He said it was, you know, he thought he saw water coming over the hood. I mean, that that's going to be the lowest mo- most point. I mean, that's the common denominator. Mm-hmm. As soon as he turned off that engine, you know, it's basically like laying a straw down on a, in a bowl of water. I mean, the water is just going to go rushing into any open orifice. And you think about all the, all the things that are in the exhaust system, all the bends and everything else. And the chambers, I mean, the mufflers alone have multiple chambers in them, which would all fill up with water, and then it keeps going. Now you've got the catalytic converters, those are going to fill up with water. Um, you've got O2 sensors in there, which now are shorted out. Um, there's just a number of things that are just, I mean, once you shut off and you get all that water into a place that it absolutely shouldn't be, Yeah, it's going to cause a lot of problems. And like he was saying, that could potentially cause a lot of back pressure too. Now, ordinarily, this is a system that doesn't have a whole lot of pressure behind it, It certainly doesn't have gallons of water that it is trying to push out through various orifices, um, you know, and basically only has one way out uh, to try and push all that water pressure through everything else to finally breathe the way that it should. I imagine just, you know, plugging up that catalytic converter with, you know, something solid and now trying to run the Jeep. Yeah, that's going to cause some problems. Um, whether or not he actually did damage to the number six cylinder, I don't know. I would say maybe, if anything, he might have blown his head gasket with, a, with an overpressurization uh, over of, the, of the combustion chamber. I, yeah, that's, that's a tough one. He's definitely going to have to start pulling some plugs. I would even say with a bore scope, getting down in there and, uh, and taking, checking things out, definitely doing a compression check. And that's going to let you know where that number six cylinder is in relation to the other five or the other seven um, or whatever, eight rather. Um, But nonetheless, this is one thing that it's going to take a lot of work, a lot of troubleshooting to figure out exactly all the things. that. Just
1: replace it with a crate engine and then look at it. He's
2: on the right track. If he's he's looking at a crate (laughs) engine, I'd say, yeah, you know. And at that point, now you have a, a spare engine that you can start tearing into. And might even be able to recoup your money with a little bit of, uh, you know, parting it out or whatever.
1: Now, I will say I don't know the answer to this, but I'm just going to ask a couple of questions here, Josh. Shoot. Have you ever had somebody, and, and this is, uh, you know, if it's too too uh, private a question, just let me know. Have you ever had anybody stick a banana in your tailpipe? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've done some sticking of bananas in tailpipes. Did, did, uh, the, did, did the that cause their, thing.
1: did it cause a, uh, I mean, that's the ultimate back pressure and that wouldn't cause an engine to have a bearing fail or a rod to bend or uh, it just won't run.
2: I don't know too many exhaust systems that are completely airtight. And and so you're going to, even if you plugged up the tailpipe, there's going to be some minute bits of of pressure that can escape. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, there's going to be a certain point of where the pressure builds up inside the exhaust system and the engine's just going to start running really bad. Right and and it's just it, it's one of these things where that that pressure is going to have to go somewhere and that's probably going to end up going back through the valves and and now you're gonna you're gonna have some valve train issues as well I mean once you get a a certain amount of pressure built up yeah. it's got to go somewhere
1: I don't think that that I think he had a hydrolock situation if if he has a cylinder that's that's got a problem I think that it actually got some water in there. Could, and and, and yeah. gonna, it doesn't take a lot because you're compressing air and gas. You're not compressing a liquid. Uh, I mean, that's not, it's not designed to compress a liquid. That's a hydraulics, and something's going to give. So I would say that any time that you fear that you have water in the intake and maybe have gotten into the engine, you remove all the spark plugs, and then you turn the engine over. Uh, and in this situation, it sounds like it would have been a great idea to get the the vehicle on an incline and let any uh, as much water as possible flow yeah, start backwards. Pouring. I get that
2: that tailpipe yeah. down on the, on the low side of things and, yeah. and the engine up on the high side and 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 yeah, start pulling plugs and and uh, intake and and all that stuff and trying to get as much airflow through that as possible and. And uh, yeah, and start turning over the engine, start pumping air through it and and out of it, and water out of it, and all that other stuff. So, and you, yeah, you might anytime want to be careful. if you if you ever get your intake below the water line, it's a good idea to shut off the engine immediately because mm-hmm. once you do hydrolock it, that's when things break. If you can yes. stop the engine's motion before you get to the point of where you're sucking water into the combustion chamber, then that's that's when you shut the engine off and you save your engine. I mean,
1: unless you're, I, uh, I'm sorry,
0: I, I always thought when you're in the water, you just. Keep going. You just don't turn the engine off.
2: It depends. Well, it, it, yeah, it. it w- once you get to a certain point, Tammy, it's we're talking. If, if you get your intake, the part of the engine that is breathing, where it pulls air from the outside into the engine from, and and that you know, two things the engine needs to run is water. I mean, uh, fuel and air, rather. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and and once yeah, once you start sucking water instead of fuel, you can't compress water. Water won't compress. Whereas an air and fuel ratio. It's it's a it's a vapor and it oh, yeah, ignites and and, 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 just, and and that that compresses and just but,
1: just so we're clear the, the, the even though the fuel is a liquid when it gets vaporized by the the injectors right. so it's a gas just like the air is.
0: But that's like way up, super high. Yeah, You've gotta yeah, be that's pretty.
1: very deep water. I mean,
2: mm-hmm, most of the right. water that ninety-eight percent of us jeepers ever encounter rarely right. is much deeper than our axles, let alone our door sills. Right. You know, right. and you get now, deeper I've been than up that. To, to that. Yeah, I know you've been, you've been pretty in some <laughs> pretty deep water too. Yeah. Now another foot, Tammy, and you would have probably likely right. risked sucking water.
1: And, and, and by the way, guys, I know there's, there's a lot of grief given to people that put snorkels on their vehicles, but that's what the snorkels are for. Exactly. is, is so that you don't have to worry about sucking in water. Uh, it, I know it's not the only thing that you can do, but it will help you keep from uh, damaging your engine if the snorkel isn't installed properly and it's watertight, et cetera, et cetera. You may still have issues with your transmission or uh, other things uh, that you, you also need to uh, to waterize or protect mm-hmm. from water, but uh, the, the snorkel will help you keep from getting water uh, inside the engine and causing a hydrolock. Yeah, I, I just don't think that uh, if, if they tried starting that thing up without uh, pulling the, the, the plugs, and oh that's the other thing I was going to say, I wouldn't sit there and crank and crank and crank on the engine, uh, especially if water starts shooting out one of the jackets. You need to get some, uh, some oil in there or something so that it's not metal scraping against metal. Um, you know, not maybe not a lot of oil, but enough just to lubricate it so that you don't do damage you to
0: the cylinder. Uh,
2: spritz, uh, what I always found is you spritz a little bit of WD forty yeah. in in the cylinder. WD stands for water displacer. Exactly. So, uh, um,
0: Goose in the chat room um, ag- agreed with you, Tony. He said hydrolocked, but through the exhaust. If the water was as high as it was it could have easily went through the manifolds they should have winched him up an incline and started pulling the plugs okay well i I, that would be
1: the first time uh that i've ever heard of a hydrolock from uh, the entry being through the exhaust but i guess it's possible absolutely all righty well There we go for our voicemails.
2: Now there's even more Jeep Talk Show to love. It's called Jeep Talk Call-In Show. Tammy and Tony take your calls live every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Time. Yep, you guys call in while listening to the live show. Join us every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Time at JeepTalkShow.com. Don't forget to download this extra content each week or subscribe and never miss an episode.
0: And now something we all look forward to each and every week, and that's hearing from the mind of Nikki G.
1: Are you just Are you just saying that, or do you mean it? Because I know you haven't been too pleased with Nikki G. Here recently.
0: No, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna be positive.
1: <laughs> from the mind of Nikki
6: G. Hey, this is Nikki. I uh, just part of the show, and uh. Danny so talked about her <laughs> geocaching type trip that she wants to go on. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. But a, a little bit pricey for me. So I think oh, yeah. probably a lot of people like me or like to go on a trip like this, but really can't afford it. So uh got the old wheel spinning and uh, Nick, do you like to offer a cost alternative? I'm gonna call it I think uh Nick caching. Head and uh, we will drive around to meet all, meet all the local checkpoints of all the Taco Bells in my area. And uh, I was thinking. All right, I can't afford to pay Taco Bell prices. Don't worry. <laughs> I will provide lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner with <laughs> hot dogs and grilled cheese. Oh. And uh, I think Tammy said that her package included a uh, roving uh, cap site. Well, that's a great idea. And you might ask, Nick, you does your package include a roving check site? Check- so I mentioned I had hot dogs? And it's a bargain at the low, low price of 11999 cents <laughs> 9 You can't go on. It's a bargain. White right, boys and girls, I'll uh, chat later. Oh yeah, and uh, next trip.
1: That's true. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys realize the technical expertise necessary uh, that w- for Nikki G to make a a can and a string work as far as recording it digitally on the he internet. Is talented, I'll give him that. <laughs> so, if you couldn't understand Nikki G, don't worry. I was only catching everybody every third word. Nikki G, you need to get that iPhone working oh, and call I- back into Speakpipe.
0: I, I could make out what he said.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, I kind of I kind of caught that he was talking about that geocaching thing re- that you were...
0: Well, it's not geocaching. It's um, navigation. Well, I guess it's kind of like the geocaching. You look for prizes. But it's the Rebel Rally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on my bucket list. And basically, you navigate the old-fashioned way to look for checkpoints. It's an all-woman's off-road rally race. Um, and, Nikki, it's twelve thousand dollar entry fee. But you get sponsorship. Um so Nikki G was saying he's gonna do his own and you go from Taco Bell to Taco Bell.
1: <laughs> oh see I didn't catch that. Taco Bell. Okay.
0: <laughs> um and he'll pay for the lunch. Uh, and then he was talking about, you know, camp the uh for the Rebel rally they have a chef and a big campsite that travels with the women as they go from checkpoint to checkpoint. From Lake Tahoe down to San Diego through um, the desert. There,
1: mm-hmm.
0: anyway, Nikki G was gonna do hot dogs and grilled cheese sandwiches
1: for only eleven thousand nine hundred ninety-nine. I heard that part.
0: Ninety-nine dollars. Well, I'm, yep. I'm
1: glad that you guys could understand it. I was having a hard time understanding it. I understood the the last part where he says, "Okay, boys and girls." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Nikki G, we appreciate you calling in every week, but uh, man, get that audio working again. We miss you on SpeakPipe. Indeed.
2: Well, it's a good thing we got a campfire going. It is cold out here. Yes.
1: I think it was, uh, I think it was kind of nipply here today as well. I mean, I think we got down to like 43. It was probably in the 50s or maybe low 60s, so... Uh definitely cool for us.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna be looking at about thirty two tomorrow morning, so
0: (laughs) Yeah. Chilly here. No snow though. Boo. Yeah,
2: ours is all melted off too, and it, uh, that's all right. That's all right. After two weeks of it, I'm I'm ready for
1: wet pavement. Oh, okay. So two weeks of snow. That's uh, that's pretty good, pretty big thing for you guys up there. Yeah, right?
2: it was. I mean, we had ice rain and then snow, and then it like mostly melted off, and then we get some more snow, and then some more ice rain, and it's just I mean, one thing after another, and it was like okay, enough's enough.
1: Yeah, the ice rain has got to be the worst. Ah,
2: I'll take two feet of snow, bring it all at once. I'm talking mm-hmm. a foot in three minutes. Let's go. Mm-hmm. But. But the ice rain,
1: screw
2: that! I, yeah, that's I'll horrible. drive in any amount of snow with any vehicle, but ice, screw it! I'm staying home.
1: Well, hopefully, they understand that at work. I would think they do.
2: Yeah, no, they do. And I got I got paid time off, and you know I've been there for a while, so and they they know that I've got one of the longest commutes out of anybody that works in the company. So they're like, well, geez. and I'm I'm out in you know what's called the East Counties. I'm I'm close to the Columbia County Gorge, and uh, we get a lot of east wind, and typically. When Portland thaws out, we are still a little bit frozen. So hmm. uh, it's one of those things where if it hits, it usually hits us a little bit harder than it does most of the metro area.
1: Interesting. So Josh, uh, I'm reading the show notes here. You're I know. thinking about buying yes. another Jeep?
0: Oh, well,
2: it's uh, <laughs> don't let the secret out. No, it's uh, it's not for me. Um, it's it's for Aww. my stepson. He's um, on Thanksgiving. He was involved in an accident and uh, and totaled his car. Uh, he's okay. He only got a concussion out of the whole deal. Uh, insurance uh, finally cut him the check, and he's got $3,500 to, to spend on a new vehicle. Mm-hmm. And he came to me, and he see he said that he wanted a Jeep like mine. And uh, after I wiped the tears from my eyes, I said, <laughs> Okay, son, we'll uh, go ahead and fight, see what we can do for you. And so I'm looking for a late model, or, or a mid-model, as I like to call them now. Um, and uh, it'll be a 97 to 2001. I've found a few in the area. Um, uh, primarily looking on Craigslist, there are a few... Uh, dealers that uh, are around the area that that typically have some Jeeps in their in, the, in their lot of here and there, but, uh, but I'm trying to go with the private party sale. I'm trying to find him one that's not going to need a whole lot of work. Um, mileage, I'm not too terribly worried about. Just so long as it's got a good strong motor, um, everything else I can deal with. So um, we're on the hunt for him. I've I've so far found him a couple of decent little diamonds in the rough. Um, it's just a matter of trying to get some flakes to actually schedule time so we're able to let me come out and look at it. So. Um, I've had a couple people on Craigslist flake out on me so far. Right. And I've got a couple others that I'm calling on. I'm going to try and set something up for this weekend. So I'm um, looking at a 99 and a 2001. Uh, the 99 is a green one and the 2001 is a silver one. Uh, and they're both bone stock. So I'm not going to get him anything that's lifted. I'm going to let him decide yes. the direction that he wants to go with it.
1: Well, so. you, you never can trust a, a Jeep that's been modified. You don't know how the, oh, yeah. the work was done and you don't know. Uh, what's been done to it i mean they can can do they can do a lot of stuff that non-lifted vehicle but
2: now now that being said if i find one that has a little bit of a budget boost on it or like a little add a leaf kit or you know something very very basic that doesn't get into a whole lot of well now you got to alter this that and the other thing you know i'm not going to get anything with a four and a half inch lift kit or anything (laughs) like that um, the largest tire size he's going to get is going to be a 30 or 31, right. uh, at least for now. Um, he's going to have to learn his vehicle. He's going to have to learn how to wheel himself and all that sort of stuff. I don't even know if that's really what he's interested in mm-hmm. um, as far as off-roading. Now, he's come out with us before, and, and he's definitely enjoyed himself, but he's never driven. He's never wheeled before um, off-road. So uh, this may be an introductory an introductory tour to him. Fine.
1: So, so uh, if a, a really good deal on a red XJ, comes up.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
2: That was actually an interesting story. Um, There was a (laughs) 1989 uh, Cherokee that um, was red, Mm -hmm. and it looked like it could have driven off the showroom floor yesterday. Um, It was a single or second owner. Um, They had Mm -hmm. just put in a uh, remanufactured engine, a crate motor, and transmission. They have all the paperwork to back it up um it, it looks like it's elderly owned adult owned its entire life it the interior is immaculate it doesn't look like it's uh, like anybody that was ever had an ounce of dirt or sand on their body ever got into this thing it is by far the cleanest renix xj i have ever seen mm-hmm. and um i was you know i was like well he was looking at it and they wanted like 4500 for 4700 for it or something like that and and I was like, man, that's that's pretty steep for for an older Jeep. It is an older Jeep, but it's yeah. got all this fresh work done to it. If you really, really want it, you know, one of these things. So I'm trying to teach him the differences between the different Jeep motors and, and what they mean and and what to look for and all this sort of stuff. He's kind of he's a little bit naive when it comes to that sort of oh, stuff. Of course, so. as
1: we as were we all.
2: So it's a, it's an interesting process. And I'm trying to get him involved with it as much as possible, but you know he's a kid and and he's got a million other things that he would much rather do. And he doesn't know much about it, anyways, and he doesn't like to feel stupid. So you know it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things. So well, I'm just going to leave it to dad. So I'll let him deal with it.
1: What was uh, the vehicle that he totaled?
2: It was a 2002 Acura t- uh, TL TL. Uh, it's uh, a little Acura car. It's just you know a little.
1: Was he, uh, uh, it around when he totaled it or was it, uh, something related no, to the weather? No, it was,
2: or? um, he hydroplaned, um, cut across, uh, two lanes of traffic and hit the, uh, hit the sidewall.
1: Okay. Well, good. Uh, this is kind of wondering how long that 89 would last. <laughs>
2: right (laughs) yeah no and that's another thing is is i want to get him something to where one i'm going to be able to find readily available parts for it easily yeah and and two i want to be able to work on it on the side of the road if i have to Mm -hmm. you know so it's going to be one of these vehicles to where if he gets in a pinch i'm going to be able to help him out no matter what
1: yeah Uh, i would say uh, uh i know you have your own personal feelings on that on this but i would say 97 98 or 99 with 99 being my uh, primary hey, choice.
2: Hey, we're on the same
1: page there, pal. Yeah. So I would not go 2000 or 2001 because of the 0331 head cracking issue. Doesn't always happen. Yeah, I know. But but if you don't have to live that life, why <laughs> why live it? <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. Well, Tammy, anything going on with you?
0: No, just... Um, Make something up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, like I mentioned earlier about my steering
1: um, yeah, that is it much of a steering, or you just notice it doesn't go uh, quite as far?
0: Like when you're in a parking lot, like at the grocery store, and I, is it when I'm when i turning right or left. I forget. Um, I can't turn all the way. So I did a little test, and when I, yeah, actually, when I turn to the driver's side, I can do a full rotation and um, three quarters. Mm-hmm. When I turn to the right, I can do a full rotation, in a quarter. So actually, um, a friend of ours was over last night, and I was telling him about this. He's like, "Yeah, the steering, um, the bracket, the reload or the right. steering stabilizer bracket. I need to move it a little. Yeah, it's just wasn't put on in the exact spot it needs to be put on.
1: There's probably a, an area there that uh, where the the paint or something is. Um, it's noticeable where it was. And it'd probably be pretty easy to move it back there and it would be right. a, a, a at least a starting point. Uh, I don't know exactly how you'd center it up. I guess you'd have to turn the steering wheel back and forth and keep right. messing with it till you got it right.
0: And I never really noticed it before because I don't go to shopping stores very much. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not a mall
1: crawler. Well, I'm sure you were really I just hate shopping. I'm sure you were just really excited that you were able to drive home after oh, uh, having god, that yeah. having that problem because uh, when you have the when you break something uh, on any vehicle it's always kind of terrifying like oh my yeah. god what's going to happen next. So
0: And Amanda sitting next to me she's like you'll be fine. Yeah. Just think of all the good topics you'll get for <laughs> your podcast and your blog. To yep. Talk about
1: this. Yeah, great stories uh, that you get yeah. from it. Uh, and, uh, it's neat because, uh, you can, uh, you can always blow it off like guys do like, up oh, it's nothing, you know, I got another dent in the Jeep. That's what Jeeps right. are for. Yada, yada, yada. Or you can, uh, you know, share exactly how you felt about it. And then it, the other people go, yeah, that's, that's how I felt or, right. uh, that's how I, I would, I think I would feel. So, uh, I always like sharing my exact feelings with it. It's like whenever I, I messed up my rocker panel, I just got sick in my stomach that I bent my poor little oh. Jeep, you know, it's mm-hmm. just brand new and, oh,
0: I feel better about it now. I don't feel as yeah. bad because I understand it now.
1: And then that's a great opportunity for learning. I mean. Right. It, 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 and
0: I bought my 18 millimeter wrench, which is what you need <laughs> um, for that particular part, um, which that doesn't come in your your little wrench um, kits. Well, of course not. You know? That's
1: a dealer thing that you need to go yeah. have them adjust it.
0: So I can, I can do it myself. You know, we were
1: talking about the 500-mile uh, re-tightening and torquing of things like after a lift kit and any and, and suspension parts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I may have asked this before, Tammy. Did, did you have that done to your lift and all the stuff that you had done uh, by the, uh, the the service place that put on your lift?
0: Yeah. Um, every Well, I still have one more free um, oil change, but every time I get my oil changed, I ask them to check every, every time. Everything's fine.
1: Okay, so they specifically went back and and re yeah. tightened all the or checked all the the things that had to do with the lift kit.
0: Yeah, and I asked them to even check the front and rear bumper and my sliders. But I don't, I mean, that was before. I don't ask them anymore because it's all fine now.
1: So do me a favor next time you go over there and you're asking them to check things. Ask them if uh, if uh, it's normal for a henway to rattle.
0: Okay. I will do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, it's, it's good to share that joke with everybody mm-hmm. that you can.
0: You should have that queued up <laughs> so you can
1: play it. I, I need a chicken noise. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get over to some wheeling wear with uh, Josh. So, Josh, do we have any wheeling wear this
2: week? Well, this is what we normally talk about what events are coming up in your neck of the woods and around the nation. And uh, from last week, you guys remember we were talking about a, a detective Jerry Walker who was shot and killed in his own neighborhood earlier this month. Well, The benefit run being held by the North Texas Jeep Club is being held on Saturday, February 11th at 10 a.m. in the Northwest ORV Park at 2914 South State Highway 101, Bridgeport, Texas. If you guys are interested in donating prizes for this because they are holding a raffle and this raffle is going to be sponsored by a lot of local and national vendors and of course uh, a lot of people coming out of the woodwork to help out for this. If you want to get involved or you have a donation to help the family directly, well, please contact the administrators of the North Texas Jeep Club's Facebook page for more information. And we'll have the link to that in the show notes for this episode as well. You guys can also go back to episode 264 where we'll have the link in that, that episode as well. So... Uh, that is coming up here in February. And as for that, guys, we don't have a whole lot else going on. If you or your club, Jeep Club or local off-road uh, establishment is, is having an event, a show and shine, a, a, some sort of a charity or something like that, by all means, let us know. We'd love to get the word out to our tens of thousands of listeners, guys. Every week, we've got a lot of people that we are exposed to. So uh, if you have an event coming up and you want some exposure, let us know.
1: Hey, if you're watching this on YouTube, we want you to know that the Jeep Talk Show is also available in audio only format. Great to listen to while commuting or while working on your Jeep. Subscribe via iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, or iHeartRadio and never miss an episode. Hey, speaking of us uh, subscribing, you can now subscribe with your cash, your moolah, your hard earned money. Yes, you can contribute directly to the show via PayPal. Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the orange button that says subscribe. You can select uh, $12 a year all the way up to, I think, $48 a year. Your account would be charged annually. Uh, cancel at any time. Even if you don't subscribe, we appreciate you taking time to listen to our show.
0: And did you know it can take up four days for your favorite podcast episode to show up on Apple iTunes? It's true. iTunes is a great free service. We appreciate Apple for all their hard work. We want our listeners to get the Jeep Talk Show as quickly as possible. That's why we are recommending that all of you iTunes users subscribe to our podcast. No multi-day delay. You'll get the newest episode much quicker. Open up iTunes, search for Jeep Talk Show, and hit subscribe. Never miss a great, funny, informative podcast again.
2: And the number one way to make sure you don't ever miss a a show from Jeep Talk Show is subscribing to our YouTube channel. Just head over to YouTube.com slash Jeep Talk Show. Guys, it's how we bring the show to you each and every week. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we're broadcasting shows live, guys. So
1: YouTube.com slash Jeep Talk Show. And make sure you get that subscription button pressed. Hey, join the Jeep Talk Show team. We're looking for volunteers to manage our vast social media presence on the web. Uh, you can be part of the Jeep Talk Show's social media voice. Send an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com to find out more.
2: Hey, guys, if you if you're, uh, your fellow off-roaders have a club or any kind of a Jeep uh, establishment of some kind or another, well, we want to go ahead and make sure you guys can get a shout-out. If you have an event or something coming up, send us that information, info at jeeptalkshow.com. Well, that's it for this week, guys. Wherever you're willing, if you pack it in, make sure you pack it out. Let's leave our outdoor recreation spots in as good, if not better, condition than they were when we arrived. And remember to always tread lightly. Stay on designated trails and don't wheel where you're not supposed to. Let's learn more about the Tread Lightly principles and how you can keep our public lands and trails open for off-road use. Head over to www.treadlightly.org.
0: Hey, folks. And don't forget, you can follow my Jeep journey on my blog. And that's at www.jeepmommommma.com.
2: And you can find me over at
1: thevoiceofjosh.com. We'll see you guys next week. And uh, don't forget about Tuesday. Come visit us on the Jeep Talk call-in show. See you later.